When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode 171 of the Shock Jock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you for another week of Knicks and NBA talk. Happy to be back at it again this week. Uh, We got a lot to discuss. The Knicks' first preseason game we will touch on. How good was Jalen Brunson in his MSG Knicks debut during the preseason? Lot of positives from Knicks, the Knicks' victory over the Detroit Pistons. Want to break some of it down? I'm excited. I didn't think I'd be this excited. Maybe I shouldn't be after a preseason game, but I am. And we will take a look at all of that in just a second. Uh, We'll dive into the weird uh, back and forth between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole as well. Um, Lots to touch on there, to be quite honest with you. Um, I do want to look a little bit further into Victor Wembenyama as well. A guy that's really starting to turn some heads could be the next top pick in the the 2023 NBA draft and we'll touch on the latest with him for those that don't know he is I believe seven foot four and looking like the next Kevin Durant I want to touch on that as well uh we'll look a little bit into the Ime Udoka fallout further if we have some time as well there was a little bit of extra information that gives us a little bit of context that we will touch on as well and what the Boston Celtics' future for this upcoming season could 
look like. So, lot to get to on the show. Uh, really quickly, I do want to mention, since I mentioned this on the last podcast, uh, I ended up rescheduling my appointment to get my wisdom teeth done. I'm doing that next month instead of uh, this month. So I didn't have to reschedule the podcast like I said I would last week. So we are on a normal schedule for the next month. And then once we roll towards the early parts of November, I will touch on, you know, what I will have to do, you know, to work through, uh, you know, that, that surgery that I have to have and how it will impact the show, which really won't be a ton, hopefully, uh, at that point in time. So let's jump in. We started MSG. What a great place to start. Um, one of my favorite places on the planet, frankly. Um, love the garden. It's just great seeing the Knicks back at the garden. I know it's, again, I know it's a, it's a preseason game. You know, I know that it's a, um, it's a situation where, you know, listen, uh, the Pistons played, I think most of their main guys, you know, Cade Cunningham played a decent amount. Sadiq Bey, uh, Bogdanovich, Jaden Ivey looked really good. I-, I will say for, for the Detroit Pistons, Marvin Bagley, the third played a bit off the bench. Um, quite a bit of guys got some run for both teams. I think, I think the, you know, from a Knicks fans perspective, um, you know, three former Knicks could have played in that first preseason game, but, uh, Kevin Knox apparently has a strained right calf. Uh, I think Nerlens Noel was listed as um, something like reconditioning, like returning to competition, reconditioning, or something like that. Uh, so he didn't play either. And Alec Burks has a fractured left foot. So three former Knicks that I, you know, wasn't sure if we were going to see them or not, and two of them are are injured. And Nerlens Noel is not in game shape. So all three of them ended up missing out, which was, uh, again, a shame. You know, I, I, I don't always root for former Knicks. I, I try to focus on our guys, you know, and things like that. But those are three guys that I, that I think that, um, you know, I hope that they go on and, and, and continue to have strong NBA careers. But Nerlens Noel, since he signed that contract, with the Knicks has really struggled with injuries. Alec Burks, uh, once he gets healthy, I think he's going to be just fine. It's going to be, uh, he's a flat out scorer in the NBA. And then Kevin Knox has a lot to prove. So it's, it's a shame that he's dealing with a strained right calf. Uh, so I, I can wish those guys the best, but we'll have to see how those, uh, injuries impact the future of their careers. And, and certainly for this season in multiple facets on that front, the Knicks starting five that we saw is probably going to be the starting five on opening night. I'd be pretty surprised if it wasn't at this point. Um, first and foremost, right off the bat, first thing that stands out to me is the fact that Jalen Brunson looked tremendous. I, I really was, I mean, the bar's been so low for the Knicks, that should be mentioned here. 
the last nearly two decades, probably over two decades now. I mean, we're going back to John Starks, basically here. And even when the Knicks were good, 2011, 2012, 2013, in and around that time, when the Knicks were competitive and they made multiple playoff appearances under Mike Woodson, Raymond Felton, Jason Kidd, like a washed, with all due respect, a, an older and washed Jason Kidd were the guys that were, I mean, Pablo Prigioni was handling the basketball at times. Like th- these are not bona fide star of any note at, the, at that time point guards. You know, this is not the 2001 Jason Kidd that was taking the New Jersey Nets to the NBA Finals. Let's be very, very clear about that. So the bar's been so low for so long, it was just nice seeing a very good point guard play for the New York Knicks in an NBA basketball game. I know it was a preseason game. I know it. Trust me. I've been trying to you know, calm myself down, but I'm excited. I'm excited. Seeing Jalen Brunson dominate in the second quarter in particular was extremely fun to watch. I thought he was tremendous. Our guys on the Posting and Toasting site uh, in their headline for the article said that we have a point guard. Damn right we do. Very exciting to see it. And long may it continue. Uh, and we only saw it for 20 minutes. I think Jalen Brunson only played for 20 minutes. So super excited to see what he can do moving forward. And listen, you know, it's a preseason game, right? So some of the things that Mitchell Robinson did, you know, some of it was good. Some of it, he was testing some things. It wasn't great. Evan Fournier didn't take it nearly as many shots as I would have liked him to take, but he only played 18 minutes. You know, I I give RJ Barrett and Julius Randle a lot of credit for being efficient in the time that they had on the floor. Julius Randle had 15 points in 18 minutes and RJ Barrett had 21 points in 23 minutes. I mean, talk about getting your work done and then heading off the floor. So I, and and a big part of that was Jalen Brunson was just pulling the strings. It was tremendous to watch. And I mean, there's multiple plays from the game that stand out, but I just thought from start to finish uh, of, of his time on the court, Jalen Brunson looked every bit as good as I hoped he was going to look. So that was exciting to watch. Um, Off the bench, I mean, nothing really stood out, to be honest. The Knicks played a lot of guys off the bench. I will say Hartenstein looked good off the bench. He put up some pretty good numbers. Um, He's going to be a guy that's in there for his size when he plays, if he plays a lot. So that was great to see. Um, I thought Emmanuel quickly was Emmanuel quickly. He looked like the same Emmanuel quickly that we've seen the last few seasons. Nothing really stood out in that regard. Um, 20, 22 minutes of decent play from Obi Toppin as well. Um, but again, it's the preseason. It's one game. I'm not going to over, uh, overly look into that. It was great. I, I will say this great to see Derek Rose back on the court. I don't think he played more than 10 minutes. I forget exactly how long he was actually out there for. Just nice to see him back in a Nick uniform and hopefully ready to go and ready to contribute because we need him. So 
Very exciting to see that. There's not a lot of pressure on him, which is great. You know, you have Brunson and Quickly in front of him to kind of take a lot of the pressure off of the impact that Derrick Rose needs needs to make on this team. So very excited to see what he can do moving forward. And listen, I I I know I I don't know how big of a factor he's really going to be this year, but it was great to see Miles McBride uh you know, just a steals machine. I think he had six steals in the game, highlighting his defensive prowess. So I was very happy to see that. Um and in the end, uh it really was just about a perfect preseason game. A lot of guys got some good minutes. The starters looked very sharp. They looked strong at times against a team they should be beating. And the Knicks won 117-96, to 96, the second and the third quarter in particular. Uh, the Knicks were very, very strong. So I, I will say the only the only little blemish on, on the night was the fact that we didn't see any of Jericho Sims. He's dealing with a groin injury. And Quentin Grimes... Uh, did not play. I believe he's dealing with a uh, a sore left foot. So disappointed uh, not to see those guys. I'm hoping as the preseason progresses uh, that we'll get an opportunity to see some of these guys. But, you know, a, a, not a bad Tuesday night at Madison Square Garden, to say the least. I think the Knicks fans can, you know, start to be like, okay, good start. You know, and have a little bit of positivity, a little bit of hope surrounding the team and how good they look. Detroit, again, played most of their guys. And when the Knicks had their main guys out there, they looked dominant. Um, and after, I think, like the first few minutes of the second quarter, something like that, um, you know, at one point, uh, Detroit had it within a bucket maybe a one-point game. It was like late first, early second quarter, and it was tight going into the second, and the Knicks just put their foot on the gas from there and really were strong the rest of the way. I mean, R.J. Barrett in particular had a big second quarter, but I thought Jalen Brunson was tremendous in the second and was great in the third as well for the minutes that he played. And R.J. Barrett just did his thing. I think the Nick lead at one point was almost 30. So a really impressive performance in a preseason game for what that's worth. But it's just great to see the Knicks back on the floor and looking close to being where we were hoping they're going to be this season, which is a a playoff team. You know, the Knicks Knicks, uh, in one preseason game showed us a glimpse of what they might be able to do this year. And again, I'm trying not to, again... This is a one one uh one day this is a weekly podcast one day a week and I'm trying not to go totally off the board here and and dwell on one game especially a preseason game but the Knicks did some really good things and I'm happy to see what the rest of the preseason looks like Knicks I think have two preseason games left I thought they had uh three more but I think it's only two um i think i think they're both against indiana actually and both of those games by the way will be played oh the knicks have three the knicks have three i was right so two against indiana and then the day after next week's podcast which is gonna be a big one potentially our full season preview next week 
Um, they play Washington. Uh, two of those are at the Garden. One of those is in Indianapolis. So exciting to see how the Knicks do, and then we'll see how they start the season. But all in all, uh, you have to be pretty happy with the way the Knicks have looked so far through one game of the preseason, and we'll see where it goes from there. All right, before we take a break, I do want to talk a little bit, a little bit about Victor Wembenyama. So Victor Wembenyama is a French prospect, uh, widely regarded as the number one pick potentially for the 2023 NBA draft. He's a French player and very young. I I think he's going to be 19 in January. He actually has the same birthday as I do, which I thought was kind of of funny, uh, ironic, or I guess a funny coincidence really in the end. Um, Plays for the Metropolitans, 92 which is a, uh, a French uh, professional team. And he's been putting up crazy numbers against teams like G League Ignite, which is that NBA G League team made up of a lot of top college prospects that went to play a year professionally before the draft instead of playing collegiately. Um, he, uh, Wembenyama had 36 points, 11 rebounds, and four blocks, along with four assists against them in a 112-106 victory recently. And he's been getting love from LeBron. He's been getting love from Steph. A lot of people watching out for him. The biggest thing I'm going to say here is what stands out about Victor Wembenyama is pretty clear. Like, you just have to watch a couple of highlights to realize what this kid is about. And it's his size. You know, I think at one point I saw that he was listed at 7'2". He's actually listed 7'4". And can handle the ball like Kevin Durant, basically. Now, Kevin Durant is not a small dude in, you know, in size. Kevin Durant, I believe, is listed at like 6'11". Something like that, 6'10". What is Kevin Durant listed as? Like, Kevin Durant's nearly seven feet tall, you know? He's 6'10". Kevin Durant is listed at 6'10", although there have been people that have said that he's actually taller than that, and he, you know, lists himself lower, so then you're not expecting to be as long as he actually is. That That's a bit of a an NBA rumor that's been going on for years. Regardless, Kevin Durant is nearly seven feet tall and has the ridiculous skills that he has at his disposal, it's why he's one of the best players of, of this generation. If not, you know, some people would argue he's the best in some regards. So certainly maybe one of the better scoring players. So Victor Wembanyama is taller than Kevin Durant and has many of the same skills that Kevin Durant has. He's a very good three-point shooter. He's very light and airy on the court, can go coast-to-coast, dribbles the ball, has full control of the basketball. You know, this is not like a bull bull or a taco fall where they can't really dribble the ball. Like Chet Holmgren, right, was was that player out of Gonzaga this year where you go, wow, like Chet Holmgren can shoot it a little bit. Like he can shoot the rock and has incredible length on both ends of the floor and can handle the basketball. A little bit. Victor Wembenyama 
is taller than Chet Holmgren. And I think Chet Holmgren, let me see what we have on his height. Chet Holmgren is seven foot even. So Wembenyama is four inches taller than that and is a better ball handler potentially and a better shooter. So there was some talk the last 24 hours basically about whether or not Wembenyama, after all these great games that he's been having recently, he's had a few really good ones, um, would he shut it down for the season? Basically and be like, all right, I've shown enough. I'm going to just stay healthy. NBA draft in June. We're waiting until then. Like we're not going to play the rest of the season, but it turns out he's, his agent came out recently said, no, we're going to let him play. And he's going to continue to improve and, and things of that nature. I mean, Scoot Henderson who plays for G league ignite. Um, I think is the second top prospect. Uh, in the upcoming draft. I think he actually got hurt in the game, which was a shame, uh, Scoot Henderson. But, you know, these are great showcases. This The game happened in Vegas between these two. And both had some good moments, and Wembenyama went off as well. So it's going to be great to see these guys come forward again. One of the reasons I bring these up is because these are guys potentially the Knicks could be after at some point. So... We'll see. It'll be very interesting to see how these guys develop. And um, against the first time a lot of us had seen Victor Wembanyama. He's a French league player coming over to the States for the first time. He'd never played, I don't think, in the U.S. before. So in the end, he gets to really shine and had a, you know, a great performance recently. He's had multiple highlights go viral and everyone's talking about him. So just figured I'd, I'd throw a mention in there for him in the podcast so you guys are aware of who he is and we'll probably probably be talking about him again safe uh, safe to say at this point in his career and we'll see what happens uh in june long time long time to wait on that front but there's an nba season to get to before everyone's going to talk about victor when and i'm sure knowing this podcast and knowing the audience here knowing all of you the way you like to talk hoop and things like that, I know you guys will want to hear about him again. So we'll talk We'll talk about him more uh, in the months ahead, but for the time being, we'll take a break. When we come back, the weird, odd dispute, argument, fight between Draymond Green and Jordan Poole, I... I We'll try and break that down. I don't still quite don't quite understand what happened there. We'll touch on that. Uh, a few updates on the Ime Udoka situation and the fallout from that, and a whole lot more coming up next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Second half of the show. Let's jump right back in. Still a good amount to get to uh, on the podcast this week. And let's say right off the bat that the Dream on Green Jordan Poole fight, I guess. Um, just odd. One of, one of the weirdest situations, um, you'll see in a preseason, um, scenario, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, Green punched Jordan Poole in a practice. And I mean, this is all, this is all kind of been transpiring from Wednesday into Thursday, essentially. Um, shortly after Woj released that report, uh, the Warriors announced that they were reviewing the situation and apparently there was a verbal sparring between the two and it led to Draymond Green taking a big swing at Jordan Poole. He made contact. Jordan Poole um, uh, wasn't hurt by the punch, I believe. Uh, Woj confirmed with some sources. I think, the, I think the Athletic actually initially reported the story. It's tough. It's tough because everyone you know assumes it's Woj, and this is the issue with the reporting and, and things like that nowadays in sports. But regardless, got to give the Athletic the credit for the initial reporting. Um, and that's what basically happened. And... The weird fallout from it that has seen like Draymond Green's like media team almost trying to like I don't know almost trying to like blame Jordan Poole for um for starting the altercation in a way and it's just been a weird weird fallout and again like it was very innocuous the way it started, like very run of the mill, just trash talking between teammates at practice. And they shoved each other. It was really heated apparently. And then Draymond Green just threw us through a punch at Jordan Poole. Again, apparently Jordan Poole was not hurt by it. Uh, but Draymond Green made contact with his, you know, uh, actually, didn't actually didn't mention if it was his face or his body or whatever, but he made contact and the you know situation is escalated from there. So Draymond Green's done this before. Um, I believe him and Clay Thompson have had back and forths. Obviously, the spats that Draymond Green's had with Kevin Durant when they were teammates are well documented. At this point, I actually think that that's not been brought up enough in some of these situations. Um, and Bob Myers, the general manager of the Warriors, basically came out and said, quote, he will tell you he has been over that line, but he always comes back. 
Nobody is saying they don't want him around, but Wednesday was not a good moment. I don't think he likes putting himself in these spots. He's in one, but I think he'll find a way to earn the respect of his teammates and Jordan back, end quote. So clearly it got to the point where Draymond Green had to apologize. Apparently he did apologize. Um, uh, Steve Kerr and Steph Curry had messages about it as well. Um, uh, Steve Kerr said, quote, there was a report that Jordan had an attitude in camp and that could not be further from the truth. He's been fantastic, end quote. Curry added, Poole has been great. There was nothing that warranted the situation yesterday. I want to make that clear, end quote. Um, the other weird thing that was said was that Bob Myers said that this year's training camp and preseason was the best vibe he has witnessed in his tenure with the Warriors. I mean, if that's not trying to clean up a situation that's been messy so far, I don't know what is. And... He basically went on to say, and I'm paraphrasing this, that like he's confident that we'll move forward and it'll be fine. And um, it's, you know, not the first thing that's happened for a sense of adversity, things like that. And like we don't like to go through it, but it's a part of it. And we're going to be like, it's a part of sports and we'll be fine. Like that's basically what he said. And they're trying to downplay it. I, I don't know if it's a big deal again, like, like Draymond green is always this person on these warriors teams. And much like with Dennis Rodman, with the nineties bulls, right? You kind of have to put up with him because he's so, too important to your team, not to include him as part of the squad. And I just found it. I just found it odd that like Draymond green, was almost trying to like downplay it with his own like influence and and his own like media people initially and then had to come out and apologize. I mean, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And Draymond Green like it seemed like didn't want to own up to it almost at first. Like that's publicly what it kind of looked like after the reports came out that this happened. And then he ended up having to apologize. And like, to be fair, everyone's kind of moved on from it after the, you know, initial talks about it today, you know, listening to different sports talk shows and podcasts and things like that to gauge the fallout. Most people didn't talk about it for more than like 15, 20 minutes. So it's just kind of a weird preseason story that, um, that not many players in the league would be able to uh, spark as much as Draymond Green can spark a story like this. And he clearly, I mean, based on what Steve Kerr has said, what uh, Steph Curry has said, Draymond is clearly in the wrong here. This was not a situation where Jordan Poole instigated anything or um, has been tough to deal with at practice or has, you know, been a... Um, you know, someone as Steve Kerr mentioned with an attitude that has been tough to get on side and tough to get to do things. He's been the opposite of that. And Draymond Green, you would think, right? If you connect, try to connect the dots, lost his temper and Jordan Poole talked some trash to him. He talked trash back. Draymond took a swing, wasn't having it. 
So, and, and you would think, honestly, right, because of the age between the two, you'd think maybe Jordan Poole would be more likely to do that if Draymond's getting under his skin. No, Draymond was the one that that was uh, lacking the discipline on this particular day. So, we'll see. Um, I, I Is it a big story? Probably not, <laughs> you know, probably not. But it's it's something that I just thought was interesting because the way Draymond Green kind of handled it. He didn't handle it great, it seemed like, until he was kind of forced to apologize. And uh, that's the part, to me, that's a little bit of a standout and why I decided to bring it up on the show this week. So interesting stuff. I think Golden State, um, based on some projections, I mean, some people don't have them even in the top six of the West this season based on stats and um, looking ahead to how the season's going to play out. I, I I mean, I'll have my predictions, you know, Uh, we'll get to that probably either next week or the week after ranking every team in the East and in the West for the upcoming season. But um, I think Golden State, you uh, sleep on them at your own peril. That, that, That would be my, my statement on it right now they're the defending champs and they've won back-to-back titles before so I would not um I genuinely uh, would not count them out I I don't know why anybody thinks they're going to be in maybe a play-in situation I think that that's pretty ludicrous but we'll see that to be fair uh most times in NBA history although again there, there have been dynasties and recent dynasties Golden State is the most recent um a lot of times there are new champions in the NBA, more times than not. So I'm not saying that Golden State's going to repeat either, but but some of the projections I'm seeing, uh, and this was before Draymond you know, tried to sock Jordan Poole in his moneymaker or wherever, um, that Golden State would be as low as like 8th, ninth in the West. I don't necessarily buy into that narrative either. It's probably going to be somewhere in between. So we'll see, uh, for the time being, uh, weird, weird moment in the preseason for golden state and, uh, probably won't impact anything, but it's worth mentioning in case we, uh, have to come back to it. I mean, to be fair, uh, Draymond green, you know, spats have had to be revisited because of stuff that's happened during seasons in years past, a la Kevin Durant. So, we may have to look back on this at some point, but for the time being, we will let it, you know, play out and we'll move on to the last topic, at least the last main topic of the show, which is an Ime Udoka update as the Boston Celtics are moving on with uh, Joe Mazzula as the head coach for now, at least the interim head coach. Um, seems like Joe Mazzula's come out and, and for the most part said all the right things that he's needed to say and... Um, trying to get on with it. Uh, apparently the, well, let's start with the latest news first that, uh, and this was basically right after last week's show was published, maybe, you know, the morning after something like that, that we put out the last show. Um, essentially an independent law firm probe, uh, into the Celtics coach, Ime Udoka, found that uh, he used crude language, this is all from Adrian Wojnarowski, BSPN, that um, that Ime Udoka used crude language in his dialogue with a 
female subordinate prior to the start of an improper workplace relationship with the woman, an element that significantly factored into the severity of his one-year suspension, according to the sources that talked to Adrian Wojnarowski and ESPN. Um, basically, the, the verbiage that's described uh, that Udoka used was concerning. It's the word that uh, the sources told ESPN. Coming from a workplace superior, and they contributed to um, the pathway that led to his... Um, you know, his reinstatement, I guess, as coach in 2023. That part actually doesn't make a a ton of sense. Um, but apparently it was bad enough to suspend him for the year, not bad enough to fire him. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting from there. And it, it comes down to that power dynamic, right? A superior, um, you know, potentially taking advantage of somebody below them in the company as far as you know, levels to the, the employment, you know, what, you know, some, some jobs are paid more than others and things like that. So because of that superiority or seniority in some, in some respects, um, that's what led to this happening and this improper relationship according to what, you know, the Celtics team rules have and things of that nature was a policy violation, um, that was cited in the law firm's report and, you know, again, the Celtics commissioned it and it was completed, uh, you know, I think about a week and a half ago now, as we're looking at the story. One, one other quick thing that I do want to mention that continues to frustrate me to no end is that there are multiple news outlets, including international news outlets that are still speculating as to who the woman is that is involved here. As I mean, to my knowledge, this is a week after this uh, probe happened. No one has confirmed who the woman is. Uh, I think there was even a Daily Mail report saying who the person was that was involved with Ime Yudoka. As far as I'm concerned, we don't know who it is. So it, that report to me right now, until it's confirmed, is nonsense. Like, I, I don't get why that is what's fascinating more people than anything else. And I mean, I would, to be fair, to a certain extent, I get why people have ridiculous mindsets when it comes to this. I'm not trying to say that. But what, what I'm trying to say is that it shouldn't be like that. And we shouldn't just gravitate to, well, who's the other person? And, and in this case, like falsely speculating on a bunch of different women. And I talked about this when this news first dropped the, the way that social media handled this was appalling. And it's, again, it's stemming into the media. The way the media is reporting this story. Absolutely appalling in certain respects. So I, I from the fact that when we first got the report, there was nothing to go on. To the fact that, like, because there was nothing to go on, the rigorous speculation that was happening from people on social media has led to multiple women that work for the Celtics being falsely accused of this. And it's absolutely asinine that it's happened like this. And it really is appalling behavior from people in the media in certain respects, but people also on social media that can't help themselves and act absolutely terribly in situations like this. So we've gained, we've gained a little bit more clarity here. 
as to what is going to, or what I should say, what led to Ime Yudoka's suspension. Um, his fiance came out and defended him in a statement this past week. And other than that, uh, that's really been it. Nia Long, uh, who's an actress, basically came out and called Ime Yudoka a good man and seems to be standing by him. So other than that, um, there's really not much else we can talk about, you know? And I, you know, the, from this point forward, it's really up to them what they want to do and how it's going to go in the future. So again, we'll see how the story develops, but that's really it from that perspective. I'm, I'm always curious your thoughts on everything we talk about on this podcast. So let me know what you think. Uh, but for the time being, that's all we'll touch on uh, from that situation. And again, I, I find it um, ridiculous the way some people uh, have handled this story and how it's transpired moving forward. So we'll see going forward how it materializes and uh, we'll move on from there. One last uh, story does involve the Celtics as well. Blake Griffin signed a one-year contract with the Celtics this week. It's fully guaranteed. And he moves from Brooklyn. Uh, it was with Brooklyn last year. Now he's with Boston. And it really is in, in some ways very important that the Celtics did this because Robert Williams III is out for 8 to 12 weeks after having knee surgery. And it could be longer than that. And Danilo Gallinari tore his ACL at the FIBA World Cup qualifiers playing for Italy. So their depth, uh, the Celtics, has really been test going to really be tested in the opening months of the season. Um, and I don't know if Blake Griffin at 33 years of age, how much he's really going to help in that cause. He only averaged six points and four rebounds and... 56 games for the Nets last season, but they needed to add some depth and uh, Blake Griffin is certainly a guy that can help with that. And I'll be very curious to see how all of that pans out as the season goes on. So with that being said, um, before we go again, I pushed back the, uh, that surgery, this, the wisdom teeth thing to from, from a month from now. So that's when we'll, when I'll, I'll I'll readdress it then and then talk about how that'll ever so slightly impact uh, the recording schedule. I'll just have to record it the day before we normally do it. That's what I was going to do this time, but then obviously because of uh, you know things with my other jobs and stuff like that, I had to reschedule it. So I'll keep you in the loop on that, and I'll keep you in the loop with everything Knicks, everything NBA, as we get closer to the start of this upcoming season. Crazy uh, stuff in a lot of ways going on. But uh, next episode, potentially, again, I'm still trying to figure out when the best time to drop it is. But either the next episode or the episode after that, we will touch on the full rundown of the East and the full rundown of the West. I'll give you my rankings for the upcoming NBA season in a full NBA 2022-2023 preview and I'm really looking forward to that. So as always, let me know what you think about what we talked about on the podcast. Have a great week, and I will see you all next time on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast 
on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network.